Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt and Tom here this afternoon uh, talking after the Reading game. Um, it's going to be quite a short one because I don't think many of you want to listen to us talk too much about it. Tom, uh, welcome back. Uh, you you well? Yes, not too bad. Just looking out the window on a particularly dreary day. I don't know if it's as bad in Hemel as it is in Rickmansworth, but it's particularly dreary and horrible out the window, isn't it? It just feels like January at the moment. How about you, mate? Yeah, definitely some January feels going on here. Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing, obviously, was the fact that we were playing more or less a second string squad, weren't we, Tom? Yes, I mean, second string's probably quite generous. It was actually strong. When it came out, it was, it was stronger than I had anticipated that it might be. Um, I think you can say that Truce de Kong, Gaspar, Sierra Alta and Espria, who all started a kind of quote-unquote senior players. Then you've got Maduka Okoye, Matty Pollock, Joe Hungbo, and James Morris, who have all been around the squad. Adrian Blake has obviously been around the squad in the last couple of weeks. And then on the bench, you know, four play- uh, five players, sorry, who were squad number 50 upwards. Um, and-, and a bench that only went as far as uh, seven names in the first place, whereas... Reading took their full complement of nine, uh, albeit I've not heard a lot of their, not heard of a lot of their substitutes either. Sorry, um, but yes, I think I think in that respect it was probably the right side from Village. There was some kind of players that it was nice to see in there. I think chief among them, obviously Ismail Kone, who was available for the first time, and a couple of the younger lads who have been around it this season: Matty Pollock, Joe Hungbo, Adrian Blake. Um, and you know maybe not got many minutes and as as we were saying off air it's, it's nice to see the kids get a chance um i think had it not been for the fact that our injury situation is what it is we would have been quite happy to see those guys play and it would you know regardless of the result it might have meant more but i think in the circumstances this game was so insignificant it would be very easy to just pass it over entirely but it, it does it's definitely worth mentioning that so many homegrown players were involved because that doesn't happen very often these days at Watford no it certainly doesn't should we go through a few of them and see what we what we thought from the fleeting moments that we saw of them so that the, the key guys <laughs> um that started for us were uh Blake Adupoku um 
I suppose we can include Morris in that a little bit, but um, Pollock as well. Uh, and then uh, a few of the other guys that came on later on in the game. Toby Adeyemo, Ryan Andrews and Jack Greaves as well. Um, did any of those players sort of stick their head above the parapet and, and make us go, oh, OK, OK, didn't know you existed, and uh, but I'm pleased <laughs> to know. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to watch your future with excitement. I think the one that probably caught people's eye more than anything or more than any of the, the others was Ryan Andrews, um, who came uh, came on. Um, he did look kind of fairly comfortable, I think, in the circumstances. And it's always tricky, isn't it? Because you ultimately, you're, you're rooting for these guys to, to, to do well because they are homegrown and, and, and more than ever, because as I just said, we are not a club that gives out minutes to youngsters willy-nilly, so it becomes even more significant. You kind of you know, cling to anything even remotely uh, positive. But I thought, I thought he did fairly well for given, you know, he is, I'm going to have to Google his age now, but he is so young. Um, I think that was, he was quite impressive. I thought the other end of the scale, Adrian Blake was one that we've all looked forward to seeing and just didn't really, um, 18 run Andrews, by the way, sorry, didn't really get into the swing of things as we mm. might have hoped for someone with he, he the... He didn't quite live up to some of the hype that he's had. Not that he's had That's it, he has had a lot of hype, hasn't he? He's probably the he? closest that's been to the first team, right? Yeah, that, that does seem that way, doesn't it? Um, obviously hooked at half-time, um, which was a shame. But yeah, Ryan Andrews, it's just, sorry, finish off on him. I think with these with these players, when they come in, it's quite often, if you ignore the name and the number on the back of the shirt, you can almost smell the youngster because they look physically uh, not the same as an established pro and they, you know, maybe don't carry themselves with the same confidence. But I thought even in those aspects, he, you know, looked closer, far closer to the level than perhaps some of the others. Also worth mentioning, um, he's Wayne Andrews' son, who obviously played for us forward back in the um, oh, back in the nineties, which and wasn't the only one, by the way, with a Watford link. Jack Greaves is the, and I heard I have to hat tips are from the Rookery End for this because they they mentioned this and I wasn't aware of it. He is the, I think it is great great grandson, Skilly Williams of, of Skilly Williams. Exactly, mm-hmm. well done, legendary. You've done your research, uh, legendary Watford goalkeeper. So. That's quite nice as well to all these years later have these players that are linked to the past and that kind of thread running through history to the present day. So that's those two. James Morris, I don't. I think we discussed him the other day and I don't think the, the view changes. In moments, good. In other moments, looks what he is, a player that's not really at 21, played any senior football of note and is still mm. a bit off the kind of pace and the physicality and the, the kind of requirements there um comparatively uh, those two looked like experienced pros didn't they well that's it yeah exactly which is kind of ridiculous thing what i had meant to do prior to this and i'll do afterwards and tweet from our account is the average age of that team because i suspect it's probably one of the younger teams we've named in a long time given the number of uh teenagers and i think it was it one of them was only about 15 the substitutes didn't come on, but was only about 15, which is, you know... Really? I didn't know that. Indicative of exactly where we are in terms of squad depth at the, the ridiculous position of um, lack of squad depth. I'm going to try and just Google that now, Phil, in the meantime. Um, but I'm pretty sure I read that in Andrew... Yes, Harry Amass, fullback, 15, according to Andrew French, uh, as match report. So, you know, that's 
kind of indicative of where we are. And obviously, a lot of these lads are out on loan um, that might otherwise have stepped up from the under 23s or under 21s, whatever they are. And one of them I saw yesterday in person, which was JJ McKinnon, who is on loan at Eastleigh. Um, so, and in fact, George Langston, who, I, who must be related to former Watford centre half Matt Langston. Um, so there goes another one. He is um, he is also at Eastleigh. So I did I did see some Watford representation yesterday, even though uh, I was at an entirely different game altogether. Indeed, indeed. Um, of the first teamers that that started, did you did you see anything from from them that um, that looked good? Don't think anyone kind of stuck their head above the parapet hugely in that. Um, in that sense, I think with Truce de Kong, particularly, you always know what you're going to get. People might not love him, but he is, I think he is a decent leader. And, and it was noted that he tweeted off the game, didn't he? You know, nice to see the Watford Academy lads getting an opportunity. But, you know, nothing that kind of, I just, you know, we just didn't have kind of much of the game to almost impose our will. It was, you know, less than 40% of the ball, um, for example. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a kind of, Tough game in that respect. The one you didn't mention his name, but let's talk about him specifically. Ishmael Kone uh, obviously came in, and again, lots of clamour and expectation, and and so on. But I thought he gave a very compelling, uh, very composed performance that says, yeah, you know, he is clearly a cut above these kind of reserves and children and youngsters, and he's going to come in and 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 make a, a a big or a decent impact, hopefully. Um, if yesterday was anything to go by, I mean, obviously Reading had a bit of a bits and bobs team as well. It wasn't there, wasn't there starting eleven by any choice, uh, by any uh, by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But I thought he looked good on the ball, wanted to get forward, uh, incisive, composed, um, and just you know clearly a cut above pretty much everyone around him. You really liked his performance, Tom. I'm not surprised. He probably was the the man of the match for Watford. If you can really have a man of the match in it, in a you know a defeat such as that but he certainly looked most impressive for us and yeah he is definitely going to be important particularly Tom after Watford have picked up yet another <laughs> midfield injury I can't believe it's happened I can't believe it <sighs> Leandro Bakuna he came on in the second half um and I think was it five minutes or so and picked up yeah five minutes and another just... hamstring injury as well yeah, you just can't make it up, really, can you? Just think he's not even been particularly good, but at least he's a body and he's been around for a, a long time and he's been in this division. He knows what it's about. And, you know, talking about um, the, the physicality aspect of it a minute ago, um, kind of just absolutely typical that he would therefore go and go and get injured in a game where he probably didn't need to come on and oh, just... Yeah, just absolutely bloody typical of it. Hopefully, it's nothing serious, but you just you just don't know, do you? With these uh, with these hamstring things, it can if it's just a little tweak, it might only be a few weeks. If it's anything more serious than that, it could be could be a lot longer. And and given our paucity of midfield options, it would just be nice to have someone fit and experienced to hang around, even if it is that he comes off the bench and helps shore things up. I wonder if we might now see a bit more of um, Kone and Aspria together as a two. Which, although I don't think either of them are naturally kind of defensively minded players, um, you know, seem to have a strike up a bit of an understanding. Yesterday, at times, it was a Spreer who probably had our best chance, wasn't it? Um, fed by Kone, if I remember rightly. So, you know, those two 
they, they, you know, they could have little choice but to just take on the take on the load in the in the coming weeks. I think because if, yeah, if Bakuna's out for any length of time, then it really is just uh, just those guys at this stage, isn't it? Unless Gaspar goes in there again, which yes, I guess uh, I guess after his performance at Norwich, he might do. Didn't do anything. Kind of, I think as I summed up a minute ago, didn't do anything egregiously wrong didn't do anything where he thought oh yeah brilliant yesterday so I'd imagine he'll be back in kind of midfield contention again for the, the visit of Blackpool. Slavin Bilic has had his opinion on the on the injury and um, he's actually he's not he's not called out the uh, the the squad itself but he's kind of um, alluded to it let me read you some of his comments he said uh, for, for a player to get injured after five minutes it's strange it seems impossible and it feels unacceptable it's his hamstring. That's four in two games. It's crazy. No matter which league or team, in January, every club is trying to maintain the same quality. They had it, but also to add to it. We need to improve the quantity and also the quality. We can't go on like this. That is why in this position we are uh, this month as a top priority. Some players will be back soon, but in some positions we have to be active in the transfer window. At the same time, it's also crucial that we stop the injuries. We have to train. We can't walk on eggs. You have to find that balance. It's not like I can put two or three players in a fridge or a freezer and then like in the Terminator movies, just open it up and let them out. <laughs> it's an amazing quote, isn't it? If you're the journalist getting that quote, that's fantastic. <laughs> I heard the answer in full, just the, the, you know, the fact that it was strange and it shouldn't be happening and whatnot. He's totally right in everything he says. You know, as we discussed, and Jordan is obviously a lot better um, versed in this side of the game than we are because it's, you know, it's his career. But um an impact injury could happen anytime, you know, training, match day, whatever. You could just be unlucky or on the end of a reckless challenge or whatever it may be. And, you know, you could be out and it's just bloody unfortunate. But these hamstring injuries and, and soft tissue injuries and whatnot, muscle injuries that we're picking up, that's a concern for me. That says if it's happening this often, something's not right in the preparation or the load or whatever. And there's just, there is essentially, even though we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, there is no excuse for it. You've got more data and what have you than ever before these days you know they all wear the gps vests for training for matches they have all you know they have a team of sports scientists and data analysts behind the scenes who look at all these and you know i don't know exact makeup of watford's backroom staff and the the sport and science department um but you know we're a championship club we're not scrabbling around in non-league football here and you know lucky to have one guy doing that side of things they've got you know if not the best of the best then fairly close i would imagine um you know, dedicated day and night to making sure that these highly tuned athletes are at the optimum level to perform. And I guess with Bakuna, it's kind of, you can make more of a case for why this might happen, given he's come in to the team after, you know, two or three months of the season, or longer than that, I suppose, three or four months of the season, sorry. Mm. Uh, and, you know, been unsigned to that point, and therefore not played any football, and he's come in and suddenly we're putting quite a high load on him, you know, he's playing every minute or most minutes of every match since he's come in. And OK, his hamstring goes fine. And even more so coming on at half time, you can say, well, he's not warm enough. But then you go, well, whose responsibility is it to get him ready? You know, you've got to be taking that accountability as a player as well. It's your well-being. He's on a contract. I don't know. I can't remember if they said it was a short term or is until the end of the season. You know, he's not got a long term future here and he needs to be impressing either to get a new contract here, as unlikely as that may be, or a contract elsewhere. And if he gets himself injured through uh, a failure to warm up, I'm, you know, I'm not making 
that accusation at all. I'm just saying, as a professional footballer, you know when your body is right or not. Professional athlete, you know when your body is right or not. But if he's doing his warm-up at half-time and his hamstring goes within five minutes of coming on, you reasonably assume he was not ready to come on. And, you know, somebody has to be grown up enough to take culpability for that and, and hold their hands up. So, you know, I'm not going to point any fingers individually, but that, to me without knowing all the details, seems entirely preventable. And I'm sure some of these other muscular problems have been as well. So, yeah, if I was Billich, and I think he's mm. teetering, you know, towing the line here in, as yeah. far as being frustrated and expressing his frustration without pointing fingers. But it's out of his control. And we know that because we know the model of the football club is that the head coach picks and coaches the team. They don't do anything else. The contracts, the signings, the sales are managed by other people. The medicans medical medical and sports science part is handled by someone else the analysis is handled by someone else and you know all those parts are constants and it's just the coach that swaps in and out I'm sure he's able to affect change to some point you know he might say right let's have a day off today or tomorrow or whatever but ultimately a lot of these things are out of his control and if you were him and you're being denied if you're billich and you're being denied the opportunity to use players all right Bakuna might not be the most important player ever but we've lost more important players um, because of decisions that are out of your control, you'd be absolutely fuming because it's him that will pay for his pay for any failure with his job at the end of the day. So you can you can appreciate why he's so uh, kind of to the point with his uh, remarks post match. Yeah, no, you, you can't blame him. He also said that uh, continually saying we are unlucky won't bring us anywhere. And uh, as far as he was concerned, the player was was ready and needed the minutes. And he he had his best game only recently against Norwich. So it was an ideal time for him to get more minutes. And so he decided to give him 45. But yeah, peculiar. But like you say, he hadn't had a a lot of game time. And it's easier to understand that one than than it is the others. But still, it's just so. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast code acast. Eh, it's very unfortunate, isn't it? But there we go. Um, looking for even more. If if you are listening to this and you happen to be a midfielder, um, get in touch. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make the link between you and the club, and and hopefully you can get some minutes for us. Um, because we need you. At least before your hamstring goes, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then let's move on. Um, one player we haven't talked about yet uh, was the goalkeeper. Uh, Dan Backman was given a week off, so it was time to see Maduka Okoye again. Um, yes. Not, not a great showing from Maduka Okoye. No, no. It was shaky, I think, at best. Um, obviously, you know, we've all seen the goal. That was poor. You know, maybe he is caught out by the cross. You know, his positioning's right, but the cross that the ball doesn't do exactly what he expects. Maybe you can be generous and, and say that, but it was not that. It was not an isolated incident over the course of ninety um, minutes. There was um, another cross from Shane Long that he was really quite unconvincing in dealing with um, the opportunity. Or uh, a clanger was there when he almost got closed down by Lucas Zhao, basically on the goal line when he was making a clearance. There was one where he just sort of pushed across straight out um, to into the danger zone, and yeah, just it was one of those performances where he just looked shaky and jittery, and that probably is a, a product of not having played since the Milton Keynes Don's Cup exit that you and I went to, where yeah. again he looked yeah. jittery, and you just think with his performances to date and the fact that he's a young goalkeeper he's you know training every day and sitting on the bench is not helpful you know it's not going to help him kick on and, and realise any potential he does have and I just wonder if there is some logic in getting him out on loan either in this country or at an equivalent level um, abroad because you know they believe in him evidently to spend the money they did um, he's a Nigerian international so there, there must be a goalkeeper in there but I think when you've got this kind of probably built up to knowing you're right I'm going to play I've got to impress you know I need to show that the MK Don's game was a one-off um and then you kind of get over overly anxious overly jittery I didn't you know didn't what he's like as a personality but you could conceivably see that being the situation um to then go in and put in another performance like that he really solidifies that and I think yeah it's just that's it for him for the season now isn't it really unless Dan Backman gets injured he's not going to play again we're out of the cups no. so When's he going to get the opportunity? And being January, I would say get him, get him out on loan and, and get him some football. Ideally, probably in England, because if he's going to have a career in English football, then he needs to know about the physicality of it and you know leniency or lack of from referees and, and and so on and so forth. But you've got Ben Hamer there, who is a perfectly experienced goalkeeper at this level. I would have thought he would be a perfectly good backup, and then you just have Vincent Angelini or one of the young boys in as as third choice cover in the meantime. But mm. yeah, I don't and think Ben Hamer's been for... on the bench for us a lot of the time. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. So the reason for Akoya not to be out on loan. Um, No, no, that's it. And I was thinking about this uh, in in lead up to this podcast today. 
one of the big differences between Maduka and um, the other players that were getting their opportunity today is that those players are playing quite regularly, albeit for the under 23s. Um, mm. Whereas Okoye isn't really playing at all because. No, it's a very good point. He's, I believe, not featuring for the under 23s. Um, so he's only really getting experience in training. That's about it. So that's it. No, exactly. You know, he's exactly got no right. match yeah. experience coming into a game where he needs to impress. <laughs> it's just not a good situation for him. No, exactly. That's it. He's not been kind of set up for success per se. Um, but it's yeah, it's not a good. It's not a good uh, start for him. And as we know, with Dan Backman, you know the uh, the kind of the die can be cast fairly quickly by supporters of whether there's trust and whatnot, and then that kind of nervous energy spreads around the ground and around the team, doesn't it? If there's a bit of a, always oh, a kind of, do- he's a dodgy keeper kind of feeling vibe, whatever about him. So yeah, I just think, you know, Dan Batman is clearly the number one and rightly so. It seems mad now to think that that was a debate at the start of the season, doesn't it? Um, but he's not going to play unless something happens to Batman, in which case I think I personally, despite having not seen him play for years, he's, kind of made a career out of being a backup keeper in recent times, I'd, I'd rather see Ben Hamer come into the team. So, yeah, hopefully, I, you know, conceivably they are working on something in the background. But, um, yeah, just more kind of joined up thinking from us, isn't it? Sign a £5 million goalkeeper and then find out that he's not really up to it. I've, the club have been kind of beaten over the head for that by by Twitter, which I've felt at times is a bit harsh, but you've got to also say, well, those are the facts. He's not hes not shown that he's anywhere near the level required and he costs that much money. So it's, um, yeah, it's not ideal, is it? It's just that money could have been so much better spent in other areas, really. Goalkeeper wasn't really a priority. I think we were all pretty comfortable with Backman knowing how well he did in the championship last time, that he could be the number one. Yeah, I think they were planning for Okoye to be number one and Backman to leave, though, weren't they? Because there were those Man United kind of rumours. and He talked about wanting to be number one somewhere. He was linked with Ajax as well, was he, Dan Backman? Um, at one stage for quite a bit of money. So, yeah, just and, and, you know, football changes and you can't just... You've got to be agile and proactive and whatnot, but... Yeah, given we know there are so many gaping holes in this squad, that five million would have been handy to invest in another area, namely central midfield, um, right about now, wouldn't it? And we've we've obviously not got it. So there we are. There we are. They have though invested some money. Um, we talked about this on the last pod. Jao Ferreira, um, we said had been signed, although it had been confirmed by the club. It now mm. has been. Um, we, we, we kind of mentioned a little bit about him before, Tom, but just a, a quick summary um, from what you've uh, seen of him. He looks like he's good going forward, but perhaps not the strongest defender uh, at the back. Yeah, that's it. He's in kind of uh, some of the kind of higher, the 90-something percentiles. Um, so the top sort of 10% essentially for some quite sort of attack-minded metrics, so chance creation and assists and expected assists um, in Europe's... what This is from FB Ref, which is a very useful website, and they kind of group the division, group the leagues by kind of comparative strength. So the Portuguese league is grouped with the Eredivisie, uh, MLS. I think the championship is one of the leagues in that 
division as in then that kind of categorization as well and he amongst all kind of fullbacks in that uh group of leagues he comes out in the kind of top 10% for those attacking metrics but he also comes out in the kind of bottom um bottom sort of 60% for um kind of the defensive side of things and and having watched a load of clips on Y Scout that kind of you can see that immediately you know the they what Y Scout does very handy is it kind of breaks these things down so you can watch a bunch of clips of his defensive positioning or his one-on-one defending or aerial duels or whatever it is. And then kind of defensive positioning and one-on-one defending are quite interesting, uh, you know, particularly as a fullback, you know, those are the situations that they're going to be in. And, and a lot of the clips has to be said he's caught out of position or the, the winger breezes past him. And obviously, you know, these these things are in isolation. You've got to take the whole kind of package and you've got to take, you know, I'm sure they've taken the, more more of a look at it that well they will have taken more of a look at it than I have because it's a cursory look but yeah you know those were the things that kind of leapt out to me that the kind of one-on-one defending side of things is a bit of a problem almost like a you know a bit more of a Kiko Feminia perhaps that with a more output because I don't think Feminia ever was really much of an assist provider but you know certainly someone who was happier going forward than he was going backwards so we'll see I, I did think that, you know, right back, all right, Gaspar and Ngakia, neither of them have really said, yep, right back is mine, don't worry, I'm going to be the nailed-on guy for this position. Um, but we do have two fit right backs at the moment. Um, it's kind of interesting to me that that was a position we went and solved. And I think reading between the lines, Bilic's comments about, you know, great young player for the future kind of thing, long-term potential, but we need guys now is is so, so... Um, pertinent you know it's a really important point at this stage we are in danger of being kind of lost at sea in the choppy championship waters and we need some experienced seafarers who know how to navigate that situation and and Jal Ferreira might turn to a really good player but you also need those guys that are just a bit grizzled and ugly and championship ready you know the the likes of a John Eustace say um, who can lead by example set the tone you know do the kind of less glamorous stuff as well and 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 be leaders as much as anything um so i hope we're gonna i think we made a good start to the window in the sense of ismail kone mateus martins and now chow ferreira coming in i want to see more business and i want to see that profile being kind of players of 26 27 28 who you know, might not fetch big money in the long run, but will be invaluable and will, you know, pay their transfer fees several times, their salary several times over if they can provide that little bit of uh, nous between now and the end of the season to, to potentially get us promoted. Not that I think we're necessarily going to get promoted, by the way, but uh, you know, I think our chances improve if we have a few players like that um, dotted throughout the team in, in those kind of key areas that we know are, have been problematic for a while now. Yeah, we need to get some of those injured players back as well. Um, that will also help. <laughs> it would. There's, yeah. there's speculation that Hamza Chowdhury isn't too far away from, from coming back. Yes, yes. Talking about him being ready for Blackpool, aren't they? Which would be a, a good thing. And I think suddenly if you've got a midfield of, you know, th- three of Chowdhury, Kone and Aspria, that's, you know, I would say that on the face of it, that's quite quite a good quite a good trio. We know what Chowdhury's about. Yes, he's a bit limited in terms of ball progression, but if you've got someone like Aspria there who's happy carrying the ball and, and playing in that kind of eight and a half role and you've got someone there like Kone who can either pass it forward and be progressive or carry it or, or whatever, then I think you've got quite a nice balance with those three. 
Um, so that will ma- that will make just a huge difference. He out of the ones that are injured at the moment that aren't long term injuries, I think if you could kind of will almost one of them to be back in the next few weeks, for me, and you may disagree, and please shout up if you do. I almost think um, he's he's the one that I would like to just get back, kind of ASAP, really. Um, obviously, what, if, I, if I could pick Jack, any of them to be back, no, out of the ones that are kind of no, out the ones that are kind of in the next few weeks. I don't know how long Pedro. Pedro, were they talking six to eight weeks? Were they uh, like yeah, the ones that are on the side, cusp? Yeah. If I could have just have one back now, I don't know. Actually, to be honest, looking at the list, I don't know how many of them are on the cusp. So maybe that's a fairly stupid criteria. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a medical man. Um, no, but he's. I just think because that midfield just stiffens up that midfield. That would be. That would be big. I I uh, imagine that um, Jao Ferreira probably won't feature until Kamara is back because we don't have a left-sided player until he's back from his suspension. So they. I mean, currently they're not playing with with. With fullbacks, they're playing a back three, aren't they? So there's no spot yeah. for him at the minute, is there? No, that's it. And do you know what? That's the other thing I was going to say about um, Ferrer is if he's more kind of, a, if my kind of initial reading is right, then um, he is probably a better fit for the current system if we are going to stick with wingbacks. You know, he, he needs to be able to contribute and you just hope that that right-sided centre-half can kind of help out from a defensive point of view. Hmm. Kamara, incidentally, has one more game left to do doesn't he so he was out for Blackpool yes. I think that is correct yeah but, but then he'll be, uh, back. he'll be back for Rotherham for Rotherham yeah oh goodness that's proving to be quite a bad um, move on his part picking up that red but uh, there we go mm. we move on at least he was able to use one of those uh, games well, yeah, at least he's able to burn one on the FA Cup exactly indeed um, well looking forward to to hopefully having more players back then Right, just before we go, um, I think everyone in the football community, uh, Watford fans included, were uh, very saddened to hear of the loss of Gianluca Viali, um, who passed away at uh, the very young age of 58 following a, a battle with pancreatic cancer. Um, he, he didn't have a particularly good time here at Watford, Tom, but um, he will be forever known as being um, just a fantastic bloke, really, to people that got a chance to meet him. Um, oh, big time! Yeah, and of course he will always be a, a Chelsea legend. Uh, not, yeah, not that I have anything to do with Chelsea, but but you know, he, well, he, I just he think always, yeah, it was it was a good man, and, that... and yeah, tributes were were paid rightfully. Yeah, that's um, it against Reading. Yeah, a lot of really touching tributes from people that knew him. Graham Suness is one, obviously, from their time together at Sampdoria, um, and plenty of others. And you know, in, in our kind of line of work, journalists and reporters and what have you had dealings with him and could only say good things. I think, you know, regardless of his time at Watford, he's a former Watford manager, someone's connected with Watford. I think the telling thing was just how many former players kind of sent their condolences and tweeted their, um, you know, thoughts and prayers and whatnot to to Gianluca's family and and friends um, following the announcement of the news. Um, Paul Robinson, one of those that I saw, Neil Cox, another, you know, Neil Cox, somebody that was, you know, ultimately kind of rescued in, in terms of his Watford career by Gianluca Vialli. You know, was on the transfer list. Graham Taylor had kind of pegged him as trouble, hadn't he? Um, famously or, or infamously. And, and, and Gianluca Vialli turned him into a kind of a centre-back and he went on and had a, some, probably his best years in the Watford shirt thereafter. Um, 
So, you know, there are others. I think Marcus Gale was one of them as well. And, and, and you know, it's, I think, testament to his, his character and the, the person he was. It might not have worked to Watford. Some of the signings were obviously um, very expensive and, and we had the kind of years of financial worry off the back of that, but it wasn't ultimately the Ali signing the checks. He might have selected the players, but, you know, people above him were the ones signing off on the contracts and paying them for checks and, and so on. And, and even then, had it not been for the ITV digital collapse, it might not have mattered. But, yeah, a, a really, really kind of important person in the history, I think, of English football as well, because he was among that first kind of tranche that came over um, in the 90s, in the mid to late 90s, when more players were coming from abroad and, and helped establish the Premier League to ultimately become the behemoth it's become today. You know, Chelsea were at the kind of forefront of that, weren't they, bringing over foreign talent. Um, Gianfranco Zola, another person connected with Watford, was was one of the first in that respect and became a Chelsea legend. And, and Ditto Viali. And, um, you know, if I guess if to kind of extrapolate that out if the Premier League clubs didn't do that then then Championship clubs would never have done it either and you know look at the foreign talent we've had particularly in the last decade I'm not saying Viali alone paved the way for some of those players but it, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he kind of kickstart helped he was one of the players one of the group of players that helped kickstart that trend um, and has kind of led English football to where it is today so a very sad loss. Fifty-eight is obviously no no age at all, and he was a you know big character and a fantastic footballer in his in his day as well. So um, yeah, I think we just pass our condolences to his family and, and friends at this time. Would you, would you would you like a trip down memory lane with uh, some of the players that he was involved in, in bringing through? Oh God, <laughs> go on, mention some names. Gavin Mon, I think. Well, there you go, another important player. Yes, he was signed about that time, wasn't he? Uh, Marcus Gale? Yeah, who obviously went on to become very important, not as a winger come forward, but as a centre-half. He kind of uh, introduced Lloyd Doyley from the under-18s. Good point. Yeah, gave him his debut against Birmingham City, didn't he? Yeah. In that three-all draw. Um, and then he brought across a few very interesting uh, players. So I wasn't familiar with Ramon Vega, but he was a quite a, a decent centre-back for Celtic, wasn't he? Which is why I think yes, he was good everywhere except Watford. I think wasn't he more popular at Spurs than uh, than at Vicarage Road? Certainly. And then the big name, Filippo Galli, who was uh, an absolute legend, right? That's it. Le- you know, a, a modern legend of the game, really part of that Milan team, Italy international, etc. Um, and I think it's fair to say he's probably one of the ones that did work out, wasn't he? Even at thirty-eight, I think he was by the time he got here, and thirty-nine by the time he left, um, was just kind of a cut above. Um, a lot of the, the players that he came up against. So it, it wasn't all bad. There was just a... And then probably one of the last of great other... uh, Watford free kick takers, Stephen Glass. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Danny Webber came on loan, didn't he, as well? So Initially uh, came on loan, yeah. Actually, uh, you know what? And, and when you say it like that... And yeah, When you list some of these names, it's not all bad, is it? It is not... Oh, it's a bad season, but... The, well, his, in, yeah. his legacy, I guess, is not all bad in that. Actually, you know, you mentioned some of the names that he were there when he sorry, came through when he was there, or players. They maybe weren't initial successes in that 0102 season, but became important players thereafter. Because, yeah, Stephen Glass was one of the ones that had to go because of his kind of salary. But, you know, he scored the free kick against Burnley that um, that opened the scoring, didn't it? That FA Cup quarterfinal. That was a massively important game. Lloyd Doyley was obviously very important. Gavin Marm became very important. 
say Danny Weber came back a few times and was very important. Jermaine Pennant in the first half of the 02-03 season was really a good player as well. So, yeah, actually, not a, a better record than maybe history remembers. But we do also have to remember Paul Oaken, Ramon Vega, Patrick Blondo, Espen Bards. I think was Espen Bards might have been Jan Luke, uh, might have been Graham Taylor. In fairness, Possibly. so I'll, I'll let him off uh, that. But Pierre Issa, Pierre Issa, yeah. Stephen Hughes. <laughs> there were some bad yeah. ones, but yeah. There you go. You got to take your good with your bad, but um, some nice memories though. Some nice memories, definitely. And uh, he'll be, um, you know, very sadly missed by um, by everyone in the football world as, as well as you know his, his close friends and family so absolutely right okay then um we will uh regroup and come back with another pod uh let's see what, what blackpool is that the next fixture yep blackpool next saturday Ooh, tasty fresh off the uh 4-1 smashing of nottingham forest <laughs> yeah. oh they're gonna be in high spirits yeah, important game really because we've now got through that slightly kind of tough run. Hopefully, as you said, the, the injury situation is going to ease. Kamara only one game away from being ready to go now. Um, and we've got Blackpool and Rotherham, who you know you'd you'd look at and say are more ripe for the picking, I guess. So yeah, it, we, it's all very well and good. Looking forward to those games. We got we got to perform now, and we certainly didn't at Bloomfield Road. We were absolutely humbled there. Um, so we need to be taking six points there, really, to keep us on. Well, I don't know about keep us on track. Get us back on track is probably more more apt. Yeah, indeed. Okay, then, Tom. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, hopefully, Jordan will be back for the next one. Uh, but uh, until then, uh, if you uh, if you like what we do, please do uh, send us a message or, or, or give us a review. Uh, head over to the uh, What for Buzz podcast on iTunes, and you can go down to the bottom there. Leave us a star rating out of five and you can leave a little comment as well um and uh, we'll read those out uh, as we get them on the show uh you can also follow us at watford pod uh you can follow myself at messi messiano at tb Bodell. is that right tom that's correct tb Bodell. and uh at jordan weimer as well give him a follow uh he always gives out some very interesting uh, particularly in-game comments uh that are, are more often than not uh bang on the money so uh, make sure you give them a follow until then uh, we'll see you next time keep following the horns and uh, we'll be back in about a week's time see you later bye bye see ya even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.